Hey guys, welcome. You are listening to the Educationally Speaking Podcast, hosted by me, Latoria West. I am a former middle school teacher turned current instructional specialist, and I'm here to talk, chat, and discuss all things education. As a teacher, there were so many things, challenges, and situations that I encountered that I just wanted to create a platform where we educators and parents can have true dialogue and real discussions. Sit back and let's get to discussing. We all know that as educators and parents, we have so many things to speak on, so let's get to it. Hey guys, today we're going to talk about what is the deal with assessment. And we're not just talking about the assessment that you as a teacher may do on any given day, on a daily basis within your classrooms on Monday through Friday. No, we're talking about the summative assessments, your formative assessments. And most importantly, we're talking about the assessments um, that can be done to help come up with intervention strategies for struggling students. Um, So one thing that I have learned about assessment is that you have to be strategic in the assessment that you're going to use. You just can't go and say, oh, I'm just going to have this particular assessment and it's going to be the greatest thing ever. No, the assessment has to be meaningful. It has to have a purpose. Assessment is a tedious process. When I say tedious, I mean tedious, tiring, not just for you as a teacher, but also for the student. Um, and so in knowing this, we have to know that these assessments should not be long to the point where they're exhausting to you and the students. You shouldn't be tired out after you get done with these assessments. That is not the point, not the purpose. Um, again, the assessment is to make sure that you are choosing the right strategies to intervene on students' behalf. Um, they should be student-driven. And again, you it needs to paint a picture of what the child knows. But even more importantly, we have to understand that the student didn't just get behind in a week. So it's going to take more time than a week to close all the gaps that that child may have. For instance, let's say you have a child who is a struggling reader. As a, you know, not retired, I don't want to say retired because I have not retired, but as a former ELA teacher, that is something that I encounter all the time. There are students who struggle consistently with reading. You have students who are in the seventh grade who are reading at a second, third grade, fourth grade, And unfortunately, there are some kids who are on that beginning level category. We have to understand that as an ELA teacher who is required to teach their standards, whether you be in Georgia or any other state, it doesn't matter. You are required by law as a teacher to teach your content, to teach those standards. That is what you are being held to. And when you have a student who is struggling so profoundly, How in the world are you as a teacher, you know, supposed to catch this child up to reading at grade level? 
I don't think that's going that cannot happen in one school year. But what can happen is we can again come up with a system, um, put that system in place, you know, to help bridge and close these gaps. Because even if a child does not or is not reading on grade level by the end of an academic school year, what we're looking for is growth. Are we able to are we able to see those gaps closing? That's what we're looking for. That's the most important feat or feature or characteristics or whatever you want to call it um, that should be measured from the assessments that we're given. Um, We need to let the child know that this is being done in an effort to help them academically. The child needs to know that at the beginning. This is not just teachers or administrators or district level leaders, you know, just giving them some mundane, you know, assessment that is never that no one is ever going to look at. You know, no no one is ever going to do anything with. No, this assessment is tiered to you. They need to know that it is tiered to them. They need to know that we're going to look at this and come up with a plan to help you. Kids have to know that you care. And one way to show them that you care is to let them, you know, give them some of those uh, hard facts. This is where you are. This is not where you need to be. But this is where we're trying to take you. And with and through the right processes and procedures and protocols, uh, we can come up with and devise a plan that is going to help you to soar. Because if not, if you don't let that child know that their academics, you know, their intellectual prowess is the most important thing, then you lose that child. Gone. Finito. Don't have to worry about it. That child's probably going to be waiting until they're 16 years old so they can drop out of school, unfortunately. These are things that I've seen as an educator. You know, you have children who are so far behind that it's just a struggle daily to come into class and understand what is going on. And if no one ever intervenes on that child's behalf, there's, there's this internal time clock with that child. I just, I'm waiting to, I can't wait till I turn 16. 16, please hurry up. Cause I ain't come, not come back to school at 16. It's not what we want. It's not what we want for the child. So again, what we need to know and what I've learned about assessing students is let that child know what it is that you're doing, why it's being done. And even though it's a tedious process, making it relevant to that child. Uh, So moving from there, we're going to talk about how you match your intervention with your students' needs. The first thing that we have to know is that intervention will never work if it it is not student-driven, if it is not something that interests that child. As an educator or as educators, we should know that children have to be interested and vested and whatever it is they're learning. They have to feel like they are a, con- a contributing part to the learning process and to their education. Um, and one way to make sure that they feel interested, invested, and that they are a contributing factor is to get things that they're interested in. Do an entry- interest inventory survey to find out what that child likes. That way you can tailor your lessons, your intervention lessons around your child. Because if you do that, that's going to make that child want to learn because it's, it's like, oh, 
I feel like they took the time out to get to know me as a person. And then everything that we're talking about is something that I'm interested in. So that way, once you get that child interested in something, when you have to get to material that is not as interesting as the things that they're interested in, then you're still able to go back and use that background knowledge, things that you've talked about previously to draw that child back in. So again, find work, even though um, it is intervention that is interesting and relevant to the student. That's the first thing we need to do. Next, we need to make sure that the student feels a part of the process. It just can't be where the person who is administering administering this assessment, you know, is the only one who is um, taking on the brunt of the work. Make the student a part of the process. Let the student know, hey, this is what we're doing. As I stated before, this is why we're doing it. And everything that we're doing is to help you as a student. When that student feel like they are part of that process and they feel valued as an educator, you can get a child to do anything for you academically. Again, we should form relationships with our kids, relationships with our kids. When these kids know that we care about them personally and academically, again, we'll see them start to reach new heights to soar you know, above our wildest imaginations. And that's the point. That's what we're here for. That's the purpose of us doing what we do as educators. It is for the betterment of the student. Without the students, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be doing what we love to do. So again, make sure the student feels a part of the process. And lastly, make sure that the interventions are accurately assessing the student's weaknesses. You cannot just go get an inter- intervention and for the sake of the intervention say, oh, I think this will work. How do you know what's going to work? Is this a strategy? Is this something that the child struggles with? Is this something that after you've administered your um, assessment, and you compiled and came up with a summation of everything, all the data that you found. Is this really something that the student struggles with? If it is not, it is not going to work. Again, just going and picking random strategies out of the hat is not going to work with making sure that our students or your student or whoever it is you're working with succeeds. And you begin to close those gaps. The only thing that's going to work is that you make sure that those interventions and those strategies are accurately assessing that student's weakness and if it is not doing that then don't use it so again use research-based strategies um jennifer cervello cervello's um the writing strategy the reading strategy again go online and research um there are a a plethora of different strategies and and research-based um activities that can be done to help students close those gaps um, you know, the fry word list, if you have a student who is having an issue with recognizing words, you know, at that early primary level, going over that fry word list could help that child because the more a child sees a word, the more they're going to know that word and be able to say that word. And again, that will help to build that child's vocabulary. So again, all of these pieces are coming into play with helping that whole child. So you have phonemes, prosody, fluency comprehension vocabulary again we're trying to address the whole child making sure that the whole child is being catered to and that their academic success is at the forefront of everything that is done 
That is the point. That is why that's what the deal is with assessment. Assessment is not just something that is being done that is state mandated. Even though a lot of the things that educators do comes from the fact that there is a state mandated test that all children have to take at the end of the year. But one thing that we have to understand and learn is regardless of where children are, what level they are in their educational um, careers, they're always going to be assessed even outside of the school environment. So being able to take assessments and delve into it and disaggregate that data you know, and to to that do some do some true data digging is going to really help educators and teachers and administration and school districts to understand that we have to we have to take you have to take that information on the assessment and use it to motivate and build the child academically. It's all about the acquisition of learning and the acquisition of knowledge. So again. That's what's the deal with assessment. Um, I know assessment can, is a big deal um, nationwide. But again, if we can go ahead and get the upper hand on assessment, then we can start to make those changes within our school districts, within our school, within our counties, within our districts, within our schools to see change at all levels. So again, what's the deal with assessments? Thank you guys for listening and Stay tuned because there will be more.